Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NBA center Ryan Hollins. Shot blocked by Ryan Hollins. Hollins sent that into the third row. Six rebounds and eight assists. Oh. Hollins climbs the stairs. Down the floor. Ryan oh. He is the high jumper. That's what I want to see. Give me some gunpowder and throw the hammer down. And now... Here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buker. Rick Buker. Welcome to another episode of Buker and Holland, subsidiary of Buker and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. I'm Rick Buker. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report. You can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buker. He's Ryan Hollins. You can see him on ESPN, NBA TV, TNT. If you have a TV, you're going to find Ryan Hollins on it. You can also follow him on Twitter at the Ryan Hollins and on Instagram at simply Ryan Hollins. All right. So we have had multitudes of blowouts and we've now had three in the 76ers Raptors series, two of them belonging to the Philadelphia 76ers. I believe we were in concert, Ryan in thinking that Toronto was going to win this series. Do you still feel that way of after what we've seen through the first three games? Oh, uh, I think I, I, I'm going to have to stick to that. Uh, <laughs> you don't sound very do. confident about it, though. You don't feel There's good no about way. it. <laughs> no, no. I mean, the, I mean, these two teams are, teams are really evenly matched. Uh, Toronto's clearly deeper. Toronto doesn't have chemistry in their favor. Mm. Uh that somehow they're playing in a better system than Philadelphia or Philadelphia just seems to have odder players, arguably the best big man we've seen in a long time. Uh, ben Simmons, a, a six, nine point guard who can't shoot a lick outside of five feet from the basket. And then you throw Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris somewhere in the mix. So it, it is really hard to gauge Philadelphia, but I, I have to credit them. They played together. They've moved the basketball. They're playing through Jimmy Butler rather than Ben Simmons uh, tonight. And then, with the floor span spread out and where you have to guard them honest, Joel Embiid puts on a show, man. So uh, it, it, it's it's really hard to gauge. But you do have to understand game seven is in Toronto. And and the, the nod that I, I would give is no disrespect to Philadelphia. Just, hey, you you know, you got to go on the road to go win it. But it's, it's a real hard give, Rick. I, I, I'm not screaming from the mountaintops on this one. Yeah, I suppose – the biggest surprise here, and certainly not that Joel Embiid is doing what he's doing, but that Marcus Saul and Serge Ibaka 
are doing or not doing what they're capable of doing. Marcus Saul, these last two games, especially with Embiid compromised in game two, came up small. And he came up small again in this one. And if there's anybody that's built to compete against Embiid, it would be, I would think, it would be Marcus Saul. You as a fellow big man, what what do you make of what we're seeing from the younger Gasol brother so far in the series? I, I don't totally put this on Mark. I thought he did a got good job leaning on uh, Joel in game one. But what happened is Joel started to play in space. You know, he, he played from the three point line. Uh, he got out in transition, caught some some something off of a trail look, which means he's coming from the half court in. Uh, and he kind of made Mark have to move his feet because what you have to understand, Joel Embiid is a really big individual individual. And what makes him special is his footwork and his mobility. So he's kind of like, you know what, Mark, I'm more mobile than you. Let me move and let me see if you can guard me in space. And in a team concept. So now you got Joel Embiid actually playing in a team concept. It's a lot harder to guard than just saying, okay, post up, your turn, my turn, basketball, uh, where, where one guy takes a shot and there's no, there was no plays, there's no movement, there's no flow. So I, I don't think I can necessarily just put this on Mark, uh, but Mark will have to be more aggressive on the office, offensive end. Yes. I mean, that, that to me is, and look, they've got a lot of mouths to feed at that end. Uh, Kawhi Leonard and, and Siakam certainly, uh, get the lion's share and Kyle Lowry's probably after that as the fourth option. I'm not, I'm not expecting him, you know, to, to be putting up 20 some at all, but he's, he's been in single digits every single game to this point. And it just, there has to be more. I feel like he has to be more aggressive in key moments against him. I blame but Rick I, I blame this the strategy though because Mark is a guy who's gonna make the correct play every time. Yeah. And you have to play through him, you know, similar to Nurkic. To me he's the he's the first uh not excuse me, not Jokic, not Nurkic, Jokic. He's the first Jokic, kind of the big man that plays from the high post, dribble hands off, shot fake up and under. He he has a style of game. And I don't see, you know, I like what Kyle Lowry does, but Kyle, Kyle Lowry's just tough. He's not a clear-cut point guard. Right. I would run my offense through Mark, and I feel like that's an adjustment that gets you more bang for your buck if yeah. that's what you're asking for out of him, or at least playmaking. What about the fact that Philadelphia has dominated the boards? Do you expect that? Would you? I know they've got a size advantage in the backcourt. Ben Simmons automatically gives you a, a, an advantage, but I don't know that it should be as dominant as it should be. I just, I'd be honest, the energy that the Raptors played with in game one, I have yet to see again in game two or game three. Bro, they're, they're, the thing about Philly is that is their advantage. And it's not just been some, they're, they're literally bigger than every team in the league at every position. I'd be interested uh, just to see how they match up. But I think they're bigger, like literally all around. And that's, that's how they play. If, and if you've seen Philly in person, and you see them compared to other NBA teams, it's it's ridiculous. And kind of whoever has the small guy on them just runs to the post and post up. Yeah. That's the way that they, they've they kind of been playing through the season. And they've had to get away from that in the playoffs, and they spread the ball. And when they spread the basketball around, you realize how big they are. You know, It's not just them playing bully ball. Their size comes into play in a team concept where you have to rebound, 
you have to cut, you defend, you fight through screens, and then a guy has a rebounding advantage. Yeah. I just didn't expect that to be as much of a an advantage against Toronto. Because I look across the board, Danny Green's not a small shooting guard. Kawhi Leonard has size. Pascal Siakam has size. Gasol has size. I just feel like it shouldn't... I, I, I hear you on Philly's size against most everybody, but I feel as if there's a team that should be able to at least minimize that impact, it would be Toronto. And and Yeah, but it's a, but Rick that. though. It's an advantage when they play the right way. Because Danny Green and their their backcourt, Danny Green and uh and uh what do you call it, Kyle, they're small. Those those are the mismatches right there. And but I, I do agree, Pascal, Kawhi, Mark, those guys all match up. But and I mean Mark is not the most athletic anymore and nor nor was he ever. Yep. And it's just interesting. Joel has kind of the, the footwork to keep up. It is uh it, it is interesting where they are. Okay. One of the other things that I wanted to get to with you is well uh, before we before we leave this series. So what what adjustment do you see? Uh, well, actually, before we go to the adjustment going forward, Siakam also hasn't been the same since Game One. He was dynamic in Game One. I mean, he's still his numbers are good, but I feel as if his efficiency he's they're leaving him open to shoot the three and. I feel as if he has not shot that quite the same way uh, as he did in Game 1. He was 0-3 for 3 in Game 3, and I feel like he missed a number of open shots in, in Game 2. Have they figured something out, or is this just a young guy in his first uh, major test in the playoffs finding his way? Sometimes your best offense, bro, and you know this, Rick, is your best defense, excuse me, is your offense, better mm-hmm. yet. And the one thing Philly is, is they're more efficient in the half court. They're actually moving the ball. They're making you work. You have to respect what they're doing. And for a guy like Pascal, when you take a good shot, it takes him out of transition. And he's lightning in transition. And obviously, if you're going to pick your poison, he's got to show you from outside. And now he doesn't have the confidence of knocking down a layup or two, making you know a cut to the basket, yeah. you know, making a great play. And that momentum is gone for a young player. Not to mention, like you said, they're big enough he can't just bully his way to the basket. So you you really limit Pascal when you don't let him get out and, and, and use his speed and his length and his quickness. Hmm. So what do you see? Is it is it let's play through Gasol? Let's take Kyle off the ball as the, I don't know, solution or wrinkle that could change the dynamic of this series? Is there anything else that you'd like to see Toronto try? I think they have to play through Mark. Uh, Mark's good enough to where he'll make the passes. And I don't think that's necessarily just taking Kyle off the ball, but Kyle is a good uh, off-ball shooter. Mm. Um, you know, maybe he enters the ball to, to to him and plays kind of the Mike Conley role. Or you see some pick and roll between Kawhi and, uh, and Gasol. And, you know, Mark, Mark doing more than popping because right now he's just popping for three-pointers, which doesn't put the same pressure on the basket uh, basketball that he's actually used to having or, or doing. And then just flat out, they're going to have to play hard, man. Yeah. So there's nothing that monumental that has happened until Toronto loses this next game. So tomorrow is obviously a must win for Toronto. And they win that. It's we're just We just got a good series on, on our hand. And, you know, like you brought out yesterday, we'll give you the credit. It's, it's not as glamorous as we'd like because we don't have the same drama in the series. Every game has essentially been a blowout. Yeah. And and I believe that a big reason for that in the number of these series 
is it's a it's a result of the three point shot. The three point shot is what causes these wild swings because people can score in a hurry, but they also try to combat in a hurry. And if you're not making threes, then you're ending up with long rebounds and runouts, and it 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 tilts things in both directions. I also had somebody who suggested to me that there's a different mindset in today's game, whether it's with coaches or players, that when a game gets out of hand, there is less attempt to fight back in it. And it's more like, let me save my ammo for the next day. Do you give that give that idea any credence? I mean, obviously we saw the Clippers make a comeback against the Warriors in the first round from from a big deficit. But we have, and, and across the board, we have seen big deficits. I, I certainly believe that the three-point shot has created these wild swings. But I wonder if you buy into the idea that people are, are, are cashing in their chips or they're, they're calling it a day a little sooner than in previous, maybe pr- previous decades when we had fighting tooth and nail no matter what the score was. No, it's not, it's not just a wild idea, Rick. It's, it's, a, it's very true. And, uh, you know, I remember in Boston, that's something that we would do. You know, we, we went six games with Atlanta. We went seven with Philadelphia. We went seven with the Heat. And there's certain games where you just come out and it's like, all right, dude, they're rolling. They got the crowd behind them. They're excited. They're, they're pumped up. This is their game. Let them have it, okay? Hmm. But we come back with an adjustment, see what they did well. And now it, it, that's why NBA basketball, playoff basketball is the best basketball in the entire planet. You know, obviously the best sport uh, in in the game. And that's not just an opinion because now you see the chess game behind it, Rick. And and it, I think it's just it's just special, man. And then you see who shows up and has big moments. Yeah. And then as we, we name these stars, these stars show up because we see these dudes show out against adjustments. That's what makes the LeBrons, the KDs, the Steph so special. They burn every coverage, bro. Yeah, it's, it's literally impossible to do, Rick. And they burn new coverages designed just to take away what yes. they were effective in the previous game. I agree with you, hundred percent. That's where you find out. That's why. That's why there's so much value with getting young players and a young team to the playoffs, so they can experience that. Because that's really the only way you find out just what whether guys can yep. perform at that level, whether they can recreate themselves on the fly in the postseason when somebody has an opportunity to really drill down and focus on what they do best and take it away. And you just, you don't get that during the regular season because for all the, you know, game planning and all of that, it's just, it's not to the same, it's not to the same level. If you had to, and I think I know your answer, but (laughs) if you had to pick between Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, if you said, you know what? This isn't an ideal. And can, should we agree that? Do we agree that this is not a combo that is built to win you championships? Is that fair? No, I mean there would be no reason to bring in Jimmy Butler then. Right. You know there'd be no reason to go run out and scramble to get Tobias Harris. You know, I, and obviously those two. The, you know, Ben Simmons is like he's your your best worst. He's your dream and your nightmare, bro, in, in the same breath because you go, golly, I got to change. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Change everything I'm doing around this guy. He can't shoot the basketball. Yeah. And then he makes certain plays and he just makes he makes the defense look absolutely, you know, helpless at times. So it's it's a really odd scenario. I, we've we've really we've honestly haven't seen too much like it. Uh, I, I can almost compare him to like a a six foot nine Rajon Rondo right now. Uh huh. <laughs> you you yeah. know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. So it, it, it's it's intriguing, Rick. So with that in mind, and I and I only bring this up because mainly because of Embiid's health. You know, at this at his age, when he's already missing games because of knee soreness and a variety of of, of things. When if you had to pick between Simmons and Embiid going forward to build around, if you're going to say, "Look, we we this is not a combo that's going to work," so we're going to pick one and we're going to move on from the other. Would you? Is it a no-brainer that you go with Embiid, or is is there some consideration if you knew everything possible about Embiid's physical future? Is there a way that you would say that that's a bad bet? I'm going to go with Simmons. So I'll share this with you, you know, that that Philadelphia front office, the reason that they went forward and they loaded up in the way that they have this year, kind of gone in all in with two guys who uh, essentially haven't even committed to be there next season. And Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris is because they don't know what tomorrow has to offer for Joel Embiid. Hmm. They don't know. He already had health issues coming into the league. You don't know what this guy is going to end up being. And at a time where he's absolutely got to be healthy and be on the floor, he's missing games. Yep. So they they know this might not be here for a very long time. Hmm. And it, trust me, for a young guy to be missing playoff games, yeah. man, that's a big deal, Rick. It's a red flag. It certainly is. It it's yeah. it, it it is alarming. No no doubt about that. Okay. Um. One of the other teams that is bona fide title contender, the Golden State Warriors. We've talked about it, and I've only seen more evidence of the same in terms of KD and his future and him going elsewhere. I don't know that I've asked you this, but I teased it in the previous podcast, so I'm going to ask you now. If KD leaves the Golden State Warriors, are they still title contenders without a significant addition? Yeah, of course, man. I I still favor them. Uh, There's a style of play. There's chemistry there. Um, I think that the bigger issue would be Draymond Green leaving. And you got to understand when you lose KD, you still are going to have your pick of free agents. You know, let's not throw out that Jimmy Butler could go out and join the Warriors. You know what I'm saying? KD leaves, Jimmy Butler could go shoot, man. I need a ring. Let me, let me slide in over there. You know, do you, let, let, do you think he would come on a short term deal that was less than max? Man, guys want to win, bro. And well, I, you know, I know that, but Jimmy, Jimmy that. Jimmy's the guy who had the list of Brooklyn, New York, L Lakers, Clippers, which tells me that market and all of those teams having cap room to, for a max salary 
What it tells me is that Jimmy wants to. Jimmy may want to win. I have no. I don't question that. But he wants to get paid, and he wants to be in the in the city of his choice, is <laughs> as in a major one on one coast or the other. And that, based on that report, that's that's more than anything. That's what makes me question whether he would make that move. I also have to look to see if they would have, because they have cap holds on Clay. I mean, they do have like eight. I think there's eight free agents, at least seven, seven free agents. But the only one with a contract of any note would be Clay Thompson's, other than KD's, obviously. And so they would have to renounce, they would have to renounce KD, but Clay would still be a cap hold. I'm not sure that even if they renounced everybody, that they'd necessarily have. Uh, the space for a max deal. I'd have to look at that. And that's why I say with Jimmy, and even even all things considered, I just don't I don't see them maxing him out. Like you couldn't go and get Jimmy Butler. And you 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 would know this better. The dynamics of a team. Just imagine they go and get Jimmy Butler, but they pay him more than they've paid Clay Thompson. You couldn't do that, right? No, no, you couldn't, but there's leeway there where the team that's winning, the team that has a chance to get a championship, is going to get that discount. We saw it in San Antonio. We saw the Lakers pull it off when they rolled. Uh, we've seen even guys, that, you know, when LeBron was rolling, make sacrifices to play there. The Miami Heat did it. So it's not far-fetched that the Golden State Warriors would be able to pull that type of move once Ke- if Kevin Durant leaves and it, and it's and it, it's looking like it's likely that he's going to be gone, so <laughs> I don't rule that out, Rick. Not e- not even close. Okay, but let's say let's say they don't. Let's say they don't they don't fill that gap and they are just who they are. Do you then? How do you feel about them? They'll have a deeper bench. They'll have a deeper bench. I still like them. I flat out, I'm telling you, I still like them. I still like the Warriors. What about what about Houston? Is this their last it's, best chance? Man, I, their best chance was last year. I mean, just Ooh. the reality, Chris Paul wasn't, he's not the same Chris Paul, man. And I thought he gave everything he had. There's nothing physically left there. He, he can't score at the same level. While Harden has essentially leveled up and, and gotten better, they just need help around them. And now, now they're stuck with them, man. They're stuck with Chris Paul. So Chris is still intelligent. He can, you know, you know, make heady plays, but dude, he was scoring like I mean, he put on a show last year, man. And we just haven't seen the same Chris. The guy who has disappointed me the most in that series has been Clint Capella. Because I thought he was gonna present a riddle for the Warriors that they didn't necessarily have an answer for with their bigs and that that was going to put them in a bind in how they used Draymond Green. And he simply has not. I I did not – I've not been impressed with his hands. I haven't been impressed with his decision-making. It's – the Warriors have found a way to make him very uncomfortable and he hasn't responded did you know this about him? Is am I just am I just late to the party, or is this something that the Warriors have uh, exposed and exploited that maybe during the regular season wasn't that apparent? 
Well, the one thing, you know, before you get to Clint Capella, they've gone after James Harden. They've guarded him straight up. They've been very aggressive with him. They've forced him to make plays. And offensively, Kevin Durant is is on another level right now. So yes. Clint Capella doesn't have the same opportunities to protect the rim and and finish and and do those things. I, I, I agree. He's got to be more aggressive at the rim. He's got to be able to catch and finish and kind of come down and make a play where normally he's just catching lobs or getting big rebounds. So the, the Warriors are pressing him to have to do a little bit more than he's comfortable with. Yeah. No, I think that's a, I think that's exactly right. By the way, the, the Houston Rockets and their uh, their cap situation, they have, I think it's almost like 65, 70% of their cap is tied up with, James Harden, Chris Paul, and Clint Capella for the next two years plus. That's tough. Mm. You mm. look at that. Clint and Capella, but Clint Capella doesn't bother him as much as Chris Paul because at least he's still young, he's active, and he, he kind of he's a real instrumental piece of what you got going. Uh, it, it's just tough. You're not going to get the games out of Chris and. You know, it appears just from last year, he, dude, he's, he's not the same guy. You know, it, Clint has always been a, a, a complimentary piece. I'm, I've never looked at him to be a star. I looked at him to be a star in his role. No, I get, I get that. And they actually have him at a decent number, uh, as far as what his, his role is. So I get that. I'm just, I'm looking at that as your quote unquote big three and it doesn't scare me. At that point, at, at this point. And you're right with Chris Paul. Chris Paul accounts for almost 30% of their cap space. Yeah, and that's why James Harden is my MVP. That man, in in spite of all, has put on a show. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it's, it's a very good point. All right. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we need to get to when it comes to the postseason. What are you, what are you expecting game four? Bucks and Celtics. What what should we look for? Boston didn't didn't play that hard. They just got outworked last game. There's there's not too much special there. Uh, they've got to hunker down on Chris Middleton and, and respect him. Yeah. Uh, he hit some really tough shots, but that's what Chris Middleton does. So uh, I believe Boston takes it. The respect will have to be there, and they're just gonna they're gonna have that home crowd behind them. And you know when you come off the road and your goal is just to get one game. They did what they were supposed to do, man. So they they, they took care of business. Yeah, it, it's I, I I'm a bit amazed. We've seen this consistently from from teams that they they come out and they come out like gangbusters in game one, and they relax in game two in a way maybe maybe because they've been blowouts for the most part. That that's what it's just human nature. Um, I know players say all the time that you know one they they separate at no game carries over. Tell me the truth, Ryan. Games carry over. If you if you if you run a team in one game, you're not coming with a clean slate the next game. There has to be. It's human. It's natural that you think that it's just difficult to get yourself up to the same level of apprehension for that team after you've rolled over them. Mm. Not always, man. It's the playoffs. Those adjustments are are going to be there. I guess it depends on the game, team, right? You, nah, sometimes you're, yeah, if you're a veteran team, no, your game plan is to make a guy beat you and he beats you. So, hey, hats off. No, 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 <laughs> hats no. Off. But, I, 
Yeah, no, no, I get that with veteran but, teams. But, but I'm I, saying I think... that's part of, you know, oh, I didn't I didn't plan on, you know, P.J. Tucker scoring 18 points and, and, and grabbing 50-50 balls and having five steals. Hats off, man. Houston, you beat me because now I created opportunities for those other guys. So sometimes that happens and you go, okay, box him out, guard him. And, and the games get tighter and tighter as they go along. The one series we haven't talked a whole lot about, uh, Portland and Denver. Because it's the worst series going on right now. <laughs> and it's, just, it's, it's like it's the happiest thing in the place on the planet for Portland. Portland better make something of this. Yeah. That, I mean, this if, if they've ever had an opportunity to get to the conference finals, this is it, right? This is it. Yeah. This is it. No, I'm with you on that. Uh, Maurice Harkless has a uh, sprained ankle. How much of that is uh, – how, how much of a setback is that for them? Sprained ankle better not be nothing, man. You 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 ice that thing. You make sure there's no uh, swelling in there, and you, you get out and play. Yeah. And Anis Cantor? How impressed are you with what he's done in this particular series? Because I felt like when he, and in fact, I know, you know, when he went to New York, he kind of became a star there. And I feel like he got distracted. But it is a little weird that he was in New York and kind of became unwanted there. And he's coming to, to Portland and he's had, he's had a big effect. There's no doubt about it. I mean, they wouldn't be where they are having lost Nurkic without Ennis Cantor and what he's done. No, Ennis has played really well. Uh, he is who he is, and they needed a, a post who could score. Uh, hopefully it was supposed to be off the bench, but he's playing some started minutes. But I don't think his game hasn't changed too much. You yeah. know, he's not a good pick-and-roll defender. He can score, and he's a monster down low, and he's a warrior to play with that shoulder. You know, you, you got to give the guy his credit, but he is who he is. Yeah. All right. That does it for this episode of Buker and Holland, subsidiary Buker and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. Uh, keep in mind, we only need a couple more ratings, and then we will give away our next prize. So go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. All you got to do is punch the stars, however many stars you want to give us, and leave a comment if you will. We'd love to hear from you, but if not, just screenshot the stars and send it to at Buker Friends and you will be eligible to win some prizes and check out at Buker Friends and you'll see what the swag is that is available for this drawing. All right, that does it for Ryan and myself. In the next podcast, Will Blackman will be joining me. We will break down NBA playoff stuff as well as the fallout from the continued fallout from the NFL draft. Haven't talked about who had ultimately the best NFL draft. Is it the New England Patriots? Is it the Indianapolis Colts? Who is the leader in the AFC? We'll have all that and more with Will. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 